smartcast you're listening to a hindustan times production brought to you by hd smartcast welcome to this episode of kicks for free in which we discuss all things football i am bhargav sharma and with me is timan sarkar messi It will be Italy versus England at Wembley this Sunday in the final of the European Championship. We have seen some fascinating contests throughout the Euro 2020. Uh, but the semi-finals in particular gave us two very tight games. Uh, the two teams that went into the last four rounds as the favorites to make the final, they'd eventually make the final. But they did it after two very grueling encounters. we'll talk about the final in a bit but man just uh, i mean talking about those two semifinals uh, not many people uh, myself included expected spain in particular to reach this far uh, and they really gave italy a mighty scare didn't they yeah i mean uh, the the thing with uh, spain was uh, given the way they started the tournament uh, no wins in their first two games penalty missed they're dominating the ball but not doing much uh, beyond that from there to suddenly turn things around by scoring five goals in two successive games then winning a grueling tiebreaker and making it to the semi final it really was uh, in a lot of ways the kind of performance that few expected and i think what bodes well for spain now is that they have been able to show in this tournament that they have transitioned mm. from a team which had lost its way as was evident in the 2018 world cup to a team that promises to do a lot mm. a, a little over a year and a half from now in qatar So I think that is the important takeaway for Spain. So there really weren't too many losers that night. I mean, uh, Italy went into the final uh, because they were the team that was expected to go, and Spain, having started out the competition by saying we should be among the top eight teams of this competition, actually went one round further and really, really stretched Italy. They, they again, uh, it was the story of them dominating Italy, but not being able to make it count. and uh, and it was i think throughout this tournament we have seen italy dominate games it was the first time that uh, the italian defense was really stretched as you said uh, i mean bonucci and kelini i think at one point of time it seemed like their age was showing uh, oh yes yeah. oh yes and uh, spain really i mean gave them uh, a really big scare that night uh, but i mean again uh, italy are a team that has shown a lot of maturity throughout this tournament uh, the way they have handled games uh, particularly that game against uh, belgium uh, that they won mm. 2-1 and uh, i mean with england coming up uh, i'd say they definitely had 
uh, into the final as the favourites. Uh, I mean, England have been really good, of course, uh, conceded just one goal, uh, that to throw, throw one, one of the best goals that we have seen. Uh, the only free yeah. kick, the only direct free so kick far. goal so far, yeah. Uh, but I still feel, I mean, the way Italy have managed games, uh, I think they head uh, into Sunday's final uh, as the favourites. I think so too because uh, well I've been wrong about England uh, yeah. I've thought that they've been stodgy uh, not in a good way but they've really turned things around they've shown that they can take out games they've shown that they can manage games right but I would still agree with you and say that you know Italy go into the final as favourites that possibly means that we are possibly giving England the best chance to win a tournament since 1966 <laughs> because we've been wrong in the past yeah. having said that you know the thing with uh, for me, it was again in that Italy-Spain game. You see, there was a point in time uh, when Spain just failed to beat Italy. Uh, yeah, from the yeah. 1934 World Cup to I think 2008, they did not. Uh, Spain did not beat Italy in a major. Mm. Things changed in 2008, and then uh, in 2012, in the final of the Euros, they actually won. Spain won 4-0. So it was kind yeah. of you know uh, they'd finally been able to get rid of. Italy uh, as the bogey team. Mm. From there, again, Conte turned things around in 2016 for Italy to win against Spain. So, you know, this win feels like now we finally got to a situation where Italy and Spain are on an equal footing. Uh, it was because of Spain that Italy missed out on a World Cup berth in 2018, uh, having, you know, because Italy lost to yeah. Spain and then drew with Spain. So, I think now what we finally seen is the re-emergence of Italy and with Spain seemingly turning over the cycle of one way of playing that got them to dominate football from 2008 mm. till 2012 when it went down uh, in the next two majors, I think we are now looking at two teams that are on an equal footing. So, Spain would go home thinking that they are confident of being able to take on teams like Italy now again. And Italy confident again that you know they are in that position where they can look at top teams in the eye and make them blink. So, getting back to that, so, you know, the, the bigger point that I'm trying to make here is that is also a reason why I think Italy go into this game mm. into the final as favourites. Absolutely. I completely agree. I mean, like you said about Spain, uh, Italy in a way also have revived from, uh, I mean, the decline that we saw after the 2006 yes. World Cup. Yes. Uh, I mean, 2010, they couldn't make it uh, past the group stages. Uh, yes. Then uh, 2014 again they failed to do that, and 2018 World Cup they didn't even qualify. Uh, mm -hmm. And I mean, of course, uh, 2016 we first saw that uh, uh, with Antonio Conte's team. I mean, uh, they defeated uh, Spain in the round of 16 and came extremely close to knocking out Germany in the quarters. They didn't, but right. it was a great right. game. And I mean, mm -hmm. we are seeing. This is a completely different Italian side. Of course, the core of the team uh, I mean, goes back to Bonucci and Chiellini, two experienced players. As uh, I mean, we have seen throughout this tournament, they really bring a lot of confidence into the team to play the way that they do. Uh, and I really think, like, even if they retire now in the next, say, in the next couple of years, I think this Italian team uh, will be there. I mean, the core of this Italian team will have players who are in their mid or late 20s uh, and I think they'll continue to do well in major tournaments. Uh, but I mean, what really surprised me is uh, 
I mean, England, England have proved us wrong. And I mean, I did expect them to fa- fail early in the tournament, like I mean, they've done in the in so many tournaments, barring twenty. Yeah, so much of precedence, yes. So, yeah. uh, but blame you for that. I mean, they've put in some very mature performances so far. I mean, of course, they have been a bit lucky with the draw. They had. Ukraine in the quarters, uh, Denmark in the semis. Uh, even if you look at the Croatian team that they beat in the group stages, uh, that was uh, an aging Croatian team and I mean nowhere near the same level that they had reached uh, in the 2018 World Cup. And Germany too have, haven't been very dominant in the last couple of years. So England, I think, were a bit fortunate with the draw. But the way they have managed games is, uh, I mean, really impressive. We saw how well they reacted uh, to going behind in the semis against Denmark uh, and how they managed to really sort of kill the game uh, after taking the lead in extra time. Uh, I mean, putting that extra defender on and tiring out the Danes in a way. And I mean, we didn't really see Denmark having a chance after it became 2-1 in extra time. And even, even before, before that, that yes, even before that. And this does seem like a very different uh, England team. Uh, and I have to say, I mean, Italy are the fa- favourites, of course, but uh, I mean, this is a t- England team that we cannot uh, underestimate as they have shown time and again in this tournament. No, not at all, not at all. This is a team that obviously, obviously, uh, it's a final and obviously Mancini will be wary of uh, England. The one thing that I don't think Italians would be too phased about is the fact that this game is at Wembley. And I yeah. go back to a comment that I had heard uh, Gennaro Gattuso make in 2006 when, uh, you know, just after uh, Italy had set up a World Cup semi-final with Germany, which was supposed to be, which was played in Dortmund. And yeah. that was at a venue where Germany had never lost. So Gattuso was asked, you know, how do you think it's going to affect preparations for the team? Uh, when you play, obviously, the home team uh, at a full house, and Gattuso replied that, you know, there could be a lot of hype, etc. in the build-up to the game. But once the referee blows the whistle, we are in our zone. Mm. Now, for a lot of us listening to him then, it mm. sounded like talk. Mm. But the moment kickoff happened, Italy mm. actually kept the ball. And it didn't really matter that they were playing in Dortmund. Mm. And I would tend to think that it is that same mindset that is going to come to fore mm. on Sunday in the final... Obviously, the crowd is going to be in favour of England. That we, the yeah. atmosphere is going to be completely anti-Italy. But I really don't think that this Italian team would be bothered by that. So that is another reason why I think Italy uh, taking mm. nothing away from England. I, I completely agree with the point that you make. You know the way they change their game. Mm. Uh, you you take out Grealish and take bring in Trippier just because you have to manage a game. I think that's a very bold call. Mm. And a call like that is taken when you're just one goal ahead. Yeah. It could, you know, 2-1 could very well become 2-2 at any point in time. Mm. Uh, so, yes, England have had luck. Yes, England have, have, have had a favourable draw. But I think they've also grown through this tournament. And it's very important you do that when you, if you, if you really have to go all the way in a tournament like this. Uh, uh, you know, from the point of a goalless draw against Scotland when they were booed mm. to where they've come now, uh, taking out Germany... They were very clinical against Ukraine. Granted, neither Ukraine nor Germany are at the top of the game. But again, the way they managed the game, uh, everybody said, uh, you know, it will be interesting to see how England chase a game. Well, they chase that in the semi-final. Uh, and, and 
pretty much for most of the second half when once the quality of the substitutes i mean the quality of the substitutes kicked in and the danes started getting tired it was only one team that was going to win mm-hmm. and and i i think i think bhargav you know it it would be uh, unfair on our part if we don't talk about raheem sterling and the kind of competition he's been having this time yeah absolutely i mean extremely important to england and uh, i mean just before the tournament we saw that uh, at city he wasn't really at his best uh, he lost his place he, he lost, lost his place, place and he came back for the champions league final and uh, i mean the, the way uh, city played that final I, i don't think it must have given him a lot of confidence going <laughs> into the euros so i mean to come from there and again i mean maybe arguably the best player in this team uh, and he has really cemented his place i think one of the first teams in the uh, team sheet right now and really i mean not just the way he has been creating goals but you know the way he has been making those runs and even i mean uh, his defensive sensibilities i have to say have improved from say 2 3 years back uh, and really one of the most uh, calmest heads in that england team uh, but also at the same time we will have to talk about the penalty call uh, against uh, denmark I and mean, there's yes. there's been a lot of talk about it uh, mm-hmm. i mean among fans mm-hmm. among pundits mm-hmm. in the media and i personally think england would have gone on to win regardless of that penalty i mean the way they were controlling that game i think at some point we would have seen them score uh, in that in extra time uh, and the danes were really completely tired uh, at that point Uh, I mean, the legs were gone, and but I mean, looking at the Raheem Sterling penalty, I think uh, of course, I mean, there was a bit of contact, but was that contact relevant to the penalty? Uh, that is something I'm not so sure about. And the problem is, I mean, the referee made that call, and he saw that entire move in real time, but he didn't get right. to see it again on the pitch uh, side screen, and. I mean the point of VAR the entire point about VAR is to try and you know help the referee make the correct calls but uh, the problem is uh, according to the protocols they can't call the referee to check on the pitch side screen uh, because I mean they just have to ch- see whether there was contact or not but whether the contact was relevant there was yeah there was I mean there was contact but whether the contact was relevant or not uh, I, I mean whether that contact was enough to give a penalty that is not something that the vr no, decides no. so according to vr this is not a clear and obvious error so it doesn't call the referee but i mean right. i think in a situation like this the referee should get some technological help he should be able to go and take a look at the replay and then make a call i mean of course it's fair enough if you give a penalty after that but i think the referee should be allowed the freedom to go and check on the screen and that is kind of something that i find really bizarre with the vr protocols i mean it it, it is i'm a big supporter of vr i mean it's really important but at absolutely times, absolutely at times like this it's something that i don't really understand i mean what's the point if you can't help out the referee yeah so so tell me something bargo when is it that the referee does go to the monitor and check it is only when he wants to is it no i mean if the vr feels that it's a clear and obvious error or it can be a clear and obvious error then then he goes and checks then the referee goes and checks but i mean of course right. uh, in this situation they just checked whether there was contact or not and and there course, was yes and there was so of course i mean they didn't call the referee but i mean of course the referee needs to check whether that contact is enough uh, i mean to be given a penalty and true, true. So, 
ഇംഗ്ലണ്ടിനെ Uh, it was because of michael that it went as far as it did i mean he he grew big to save i think uh, deny sterling once uh, then there was an effort from kane he denied and then there was a maguire header i think he tipped over so he had made at least three or four crucial saves in 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 that game and the fact yeah. that uh, he had as busy an evening as he did tells yeah. you how superior england really were oh, absolutely i mean england were i mean did completely deserved to win the game just based on how they dominated the game and created the number of chances uh, and i mean you have to give credit to gareth southgate i mean for this tournament and not just for this tournament i mean we've seen over the last few years we've seen the way he has been criticized every decision he takes every player that he drops i mean he comes in for serious criticism and not many people thought he would be as successful as he has been and i mean just based on the fact that he has reached uh, two major tournament one major tournament semi final and one final now uh, i think he has been one of the best uh, england managers in history of course he needs to so win he, that tournament to equal sir uh, ramsey but even yeah even if he doesn't he's the second most important manager yeah. in the football history of england the, after sir ramsey now, now who would have thought uh, that you know gareth southgate would be the second most important manager in a country which has had you know the bobby robsons roy hodgson's uh, who would have thought that but really really credit to him for a number of things i think i think you know the way the way this team has bonded the way he's tried to give the team an identity and the way he has stuck to his convictions i think that to me uh, and we discussed this earlier in another episode i think that to me is the biggest takeaway he's a man who's very confident of what he is doing possibly because I mean, not just possibly, definitely because he knows what he's doing. It is not just, uh, you know, gut feel. Uh, how many other coaches would then take out a player like Grealish, uh, who's, who, who's, you know, talked about in glowing terms in England, because he thought that, you know, Trippier would be a better fit to manage the team. And it also tells you that the confidence that he had in trying to stall Denmark at that point in time, so that he takes out an attacking player. I I think I think it talks a lot about how good he is as a coach really yeah and I think uh, they definitely they did a lot of homework on all their opponents in this tournament and that has showed I mean starting with the Germany game the way they mm-hmm. set up just clear they mm-hmm. knew where I mean how mm-hmm. what they needed to do to uh, you know shut out that German attack and uh, I mean of course you have to give credit to Gareth um, Southgate and also uh, his coaching staff uh, definitely oh incredible yes yes absolutely done a lot absolutely. of work and i mean of course uh, also for uh, 
I mean, Italy, Roberto Mancini, what he has done, the way he has revived this team after the disaster of the 2018 World Cup. I mean, quite incredible, really. And uh, Mancini in particular, I mean, this is another brilliant story. I mean, after City, he didn't really have a great time at Galatasaray. I think mm-hmm. he, he was there for just one season, if I'm not wrong. And mm-hmm. again, at Inter, that was uh, not a great time for Inter. He, I think he was the right man, but at the wrong time uh, at Inter. And if, I don't think they were at that stage where they could, uh, you know, challenge Juventus for the title. And uh, so, mm. I mean, a bit unfortunate with that stint at Inter. And then, of course, uh, Zenit, I think he was there for just over a season. Uh, and the way he has revived Italy, is it's just incredible. I, I mean, completely dominated teams uh, in this tournament, barring that Spain game. Uh, and, of course, Austria gave them a, a big fight. But they have been very good, very mature and managed all their games very well. And, I mean, like I said about Gareth Southgate's team, Italy do have done tremendous, a lot of study on their opponents. And that has that has shown throughout this tournament. So, I mean, should be a very close encounter. I mean, uh, going into Sunday, I think we've seen in the past finals, most teams tend to be a bit cautious. And I do expect both teams to be cautious. Uh, both teams will know each other very well. Uh, and I think Italy are the favourites, but I think this will be an extremely close game that can, I think, probably will see one or at most two goals uh, I mean, in this final. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it should be a KG game. But, you know, I like the point that you make about uh, Mancini here. You know, he... he uh, what, I, what, what we've liked about this Italy team is this, that they know how to defend. There is no question doubting that. I mean, look at the way they shut out Belgium uh, in, in, in the quarters. And also look at the way they kept Spain at bay. So, they know how to defend. Yeah. But it is not the only way of playing football. As, mm. as we have been used to seeing with Italy, uh, yeah. they are not a team that relies only on defending and stealing a goal somewhere. Mm. This is a team that knows how to defend, but it's a team that also loves to go on the attack. Mm. And, and it has been evident in the way they bossed the group stages against Switzerland, against uh, Turkey. What I liked about Mancini here is that you know he's, he's taken Italy's strength, he's stuck to Italy's strength and then he's improved on the team to ensure that he now has actually a better Italy team than the kind of Italy we've been used to seeing. That is one point. The other point is, you know, I think both Mancini and Southgate, whichever way this game goes, I mean, they both of them go into the final with a redemption story. Mancini and Diali were part of that Sampdoria yeah. team. Lost to Ronald Koeman's uh, goal, Mancini. I, I looked up, yeah, Barcelona 92. Uh, that, this was, that was at Wembley. Mancini, I looked up, had played 118 minutes on that night. Oh. And Viali had played 100 minutes that night. Here are two players who know how close they came to you know, winning uh, a European title uh, at Wembley. And Southgate, of course, he's already redeemed himself as a coach. I, I'm sure right now he's been able to lift down the memories of uh, missing that penalty in the 1996 European Championship. So, one of them is going to emerge winners and both of them have a story connected to Wembley which did not end very well and life has given them a second chance now. I think that makes this contest really fascinating, doesn't it? Absolutely. It should be. I mean, there are so many fascinating storylines in this uh, final match and I think uh, should be uh, 
I mean, I don't expect it to be a very entertaining game, but uh, irrespective of that, I think we'll have a lot to talk about and a lot to write about uh, after the game. Oh, uh, absolutely. Uh, the only thing that needs to be done now is, you know, England have to show that they can hold their nerve in penalties. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, what would be your prediction for the final? Italy. I'm not going to score live. Uh, okay, uh, Italy 2-1. Yeah, uh, I'd go with Italy 1-0. I mean, it should be very close. But I mean, thing is, we always end up <laughs> jinxing, uh, jinxing the opens of the England. Uh, yes, so, for so this, uh, this I possibly hope. points to the fact that, you know, England are going to win this by the time we meet <laughs> and talk about it next time. Yeah, so I mean... I hope it's 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 a cracking final, not like the last few finals that we have seen. I mean, yes, the yes. 2018 World Cup final was probably one of the few finals which really gave us a lot of entertainment, a lot of action. But before right. that, I mean, not many finals uh, have been very entertaining for the neutral. So let's hope that uh, we get to watch a very good final this Sunday and uh, let's let's catch up again next week. See you next time then. This was an episode of Kicks for Free. Do like and follow us on at HT Smartcast on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter and write to us at podcast at the rate hindustantimes.com. You can also follow us on our Twitter handles at Dhiman HT and at Bhargav Sarma. You can listen to more podcasts by logging into htsmartcast.com. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.